0: Good morning, Um, if we get the first slide up and Katie if you could give those um, handouts. Well I don't know how many of you were here last week, Uh, I could say you missed a good one but that's a bit biased because I spoke. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we were doing, the. uh, I started a two-part series on the book of uh, Songs of Songs. I'm not going to get time to, to do the whole book, um, however much part of me would like to do so. But my aim this morning is, as same as last week, is just to kind of wet, uh, wet your appetite. And um, so that you're going to go away and thinking, I want more of this. I want to learn more about this book. One of my other aims today is, I mean, uh, more and more as I've read the Songs of Songs, there's just so many good things in that book. I shared last week um, how so many people find this book a hard book to read. It's generally not the number one book that people have when they say, what's your favourite book in the, in the Bible? And there has got a lot of allergy in it, it's got a lot of metaphors in it. Um, some of the language about love can be really difficult for people to connect with. And I shared last week about why I found that book so difficult to connect with. But there's a lot of good things in there. A lot of the early church fathers and and people historically just said, this is like the most crucial book in the Bible. And I remember when I first heard that thinking, why? And that's partly why we wanted to delve into that book. Just because as a church, we want to be people that are seeking to read all of God's word and seeking to apply all of God's word. And again, that's the reason why you got this sheet. I know it's very tempting. I can just see everybody just, I'm never sure when to give out a sheet. Um, because everybody's just looking down. There's way too much stuff there. If you just read that, it'll keep you busy. Those of you who run life groups, you've got enough material there for at least two weeks if you want. And, um, but the part of the reason is there's so many good things in this book. And as a church, one of our our values is people taking ownership for their own discipleship, taking ownership of seeking to become more like Jesus. And the idea with engaging in the Bible is not just to pass um, just various bits of information and knowledge, but be able to take hold of God's word and thinking about how does that look? How does that apply in my life? How can I begin to put that into practice today, tomorrow, so I become more like Jesus? And so that's partly why I've, I've given you Uh, a whole load of questions because literally I feel like I'm going in a gold mine, a jewel mine and I'm throwing out lots of jewels and and kind of drawing your attention to a jewel but I don't have time to kind of cut and polish it and make it look really really nice and so those questions are there to help you take hold of those jewels and to cut them and polish them uh, and make them look really really good so last week we started right there at the beginning Verse one, when it talks about, you know, kiss me, with my, uh, kiss me with your kisses. And we said that from that point on, the rest of the Songs of Songs is like an outworking, a response to that. As the bride who represents us responds to the bridegroom with that first kiss, that first step of risk, that first step of vulnerability, the rest of the book unfolds after that. And so we go on to um, chapter two. We're going to go a little bit faster than we did last week. And uh, you got it down on your sheet, you got it up there, where she represents us. I said last week, it's a bit like Shakespeare, where you got all these different characters, players. And he goes, I am the rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. He, the bridegroom, like a lily amongst forms, is my darling amongst the young women. She, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And so this next section, she's been pursuing Her lover, her lover has responded. And she's beginning to gain that delight and the joy of being in his presence. Most commentators, when they refer to this um, passage, uh, really talk about this idea of her getting her satisfaction, her worth, her value. They use this phrase rest, just in the embrace, just in that banqueting hall, in that presence of God. You know, and as I was reflecting on about it, I've heard lots of talks about rest before uh, at church. But generally, it's been this principle of taking a Sabbath. We did a talk, talk about that a, f- a few months ago. Kind of pausing, being still. And that's good. Uh, and, uh, and, and I vouch for that. But generally, as people have interpreted this passage, they interpreted rest in a different way I've heard people interpret rest before. This idea of being at rest from restlessness this kind of pursuit of the kind of the the rat race, this sense of where people always got this restlessness, where they're trying to get their worth, their value, their sense of delight, their sense of joy from other things. And what we learn from this passage is that true rest, true stillness of heart, even when everything around us might be chaotic, even when we might be in uh, traumatic situations, even where we might physically be very busy, we are invited as those who love Jesus to find our rest, to find our joy and our satisfaction in him. What a great invitation. Martina mentioned it to Will and Will shared it by knocking on the, the door. And I actually mentioned that verse right at the end of this talk, you'll see a slide in a minute. But all these um, themes and jewels I'm showing on it, I like invitations. And so we got that little knock at the door right now. I don't know where you are, if you've got restlessness, maybe you've got just fiends chewing up inside you. And God's saying, Be still. Be still. Just get your rest from Him. Be still. Even as I'm speaking, you can just begin to do that. Because we need to get our rest. And a sense of worth in God. Because if not, we will look for it elsewhere. And, and He gives us this precious invitation come and get your rest. You know, I was just speaking, I can feel myself slowing down. I can feel a stillness in this place. Let's enter that rest. Because if not, we we'll try to get a rest, a sense of worth, a sense of value from things around us. It's amazing how you kind of go up and down. I do part run um, for quite a while and I'm injured at the moment. And it it made me realize how much I I miss part run, how much I miss running, which might sound crazy to some some of you. But, you know, I realized I I kind of used to get a lot of my stillness from that. And that's great. But we need to get our stillness. Sometimes we get it from work. You see that. if If you want to know sometimes, just check your heart. If you want to know if your true rest is in God, just find something that knocks it. Go to your next appraisal and they speak negatively. Where is your true rest? And just fill in the gap. Where is our true rest? Where is our true worth? You know, I'm a father. If I get my worth as being a father, if I have those days when one of the children says to me, I hate you, dad, what if my rest is in what my children say, whoa, I'm going to go down? Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I, know, I heard Nigel share a few weeks ago his children sometimes say, I hate you, dad. So it makes me feel a bit better. But where is our rest where is our worth this is where true freedom is when we get our rest in God but it involves a choice it's interesting there's a verse in Hebrews 4 verse 11 it says make every effort to enter the rest you're gonna think rest and effort you wouldn't think you get in the same verse but it's that idea of making choices we will make a choice will we open that door we will allow our rest and our worth and our fullness in who we are to be found in God. That's what you want. That's what people around us need us because if not, we'll grasp at it from other people. So chewing it, I gave you some questions there to help you just mull that over, to check your heart. Moving on from Song of Solomon, you get verses eight to seven and uh, 8 to 17 and I I, I put them down there this is a passage of scripture people seem to really like to use this passage of scripture at uh, weddings and um, if you read it it begins just to uh, describe it says listen my beloved look here here he comes leaping across the mountains bounding over the hills my beloved is like a gazelle or young stag look there he stands behind a wall gazing through the windows and then she just begins just to unpack that. And she begins to talk about things like the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig trees forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. He got this image of a, a stag. And, um, you know, this next part of the songs of Solomon, it's talking about the next phrase or kind of this dynamic adventure, daring journey with Jesus. I don't know what enters your head when you think about following Jesus. Sometimes when I speak to people um, who don't follow Jesus, they kind of have this idea of maybe following Jesus being a bit like a crutch or something boring or something wearing. It's like, no. I mean, if you're reading the Songs of Solomon, this is what following Jesus is looking like. There's no way is that boring. If anything, is erotic. I mentioned last week, and if you read more and more, I don't get to the most erotic places. If you want it, you've got to carry on reading the Songs of Solomon. But there's lust, there's, there's kind of love, there's passion, there's intimacy. There's this idea of him um, being like a young stag. I'm not an expert on it, but I looked it up, and it says, you know, a mature stag stands at four feet high at your shoulders. Weighs up to, you know, 300 pounds. It has these kind of proud bearings and magnificent antlers. White-tailed deer, which I'm a little bit more familiar with in the New Forest, can run at 66 miles an hour. Wow! They're great swimmers, you know. They can leap. They can leap over eight feet high and 30 feet just ground-wise. You know, and what we're trying to get in this is not just this image of this this stag, but this idea of the one that we love, the God who we are pursuing, the God who we're going after. We're trying to get hold of the image of his energy. How magnificent he is. How beautiful he is. I don't know about you, if, uh, if, if we've done like a, a game or somehow an image theme where, you know, how do you portray Jesus or how do people portray Jesus? If you're going to type it into uh, Google and you get different images. Often you get the kind of image of, you don't get an image of him on the cross, you might get him as a baby, or you might get him as kind of walking around with a sheep underneath his arm, and uh, kind of gentle, meek, and mild. And he is gentle, meek, and mild. But as soon as we don't get this image, this utter image of his magnificence, of his beauty, of his power, when it talks about there, about him bounding over mountains, the idea there is kind of things that people saw as difficult, Mountains were seen as kind of the high places where kind of principalities and powers, It's kind of things that, were, that seem hard and difficult to the average person. This stag is just kind of like bouncing over them like they're nothing. This is our God. This is a God that we have to grasp and we have to understand more. What's our perception? What is our understanding of God. Somebody called J.B. Phillips, a no relative of mine, once uh, said he wrote a book. You know, your God is too small, and I think sometimes our God is too small. I think of a lot of the ills and the things I see in my in my life, and I see in the church. I think often can be boiled down to because at some point we have too small a perspective of who God is, and we allow these mountains, we allow these things to overwhelm us. And we need to just catch a fresh glimpse of our lover, of our stag, of our powerful one. And we've got to think that out. I'm just going to pray, actually, because I think that's a good place to pray. But again, I'm just giving some questions just to help us figure that out. Because that's not saying that just, I'm going to pray that God will give us a revelation, but often God just likes to wrestle with us and wants us to kind of pursue him But God, I pray that you will give us a deeper, Lord, individually and as a church. Give us a deeper and a greater understanding of who you are. God, just blow, Lord, the kind of parameters that we put upon you, Lord. Because of our situations, Lord, because of our background, Lord, for whatever reason, come, Holy Spirit, and show us God Almighty. Show us in his true beauty. Show us in his true might. May we be overwhelmed by the majesty of who you are, God. And may we never be the same again. Amen. And so that's another jewel I just throw out. And again, I give you some questions. I said I was going to throw out a load of jewels and questions because I could have spent the rest of the talk today just taking time just to ponder over what does that mean? God, enlarge our hearts to understand who you are. Then you have this phrase, which is a lovely phrase. The winter is over, and um, and there's this kind of very simple but profound metaphor. Kind of winter, kind of the cold suggests a death blow of all that's there. You know, when it's winter and you go out, and the ground is hard. You know, and meek bleed winter. You know, I'm trying to the song and um, and just it seems lifeless, the leaves are pretty much falling off everything and it's, it's, it's cold, I hate cold it's one of the reasons I went and worked in the Middle East, it's warm and, and it's just lifeless and I know about you and I went to that phrase, you know winter that can mean many different things to different people so there's another language that people use scripturally and historically in churches instead of winter is things like the dark night or a desert time Soon as it can be caused by bereavement, soon as it can be caused by depression, soon as it can be caused by sickness, breakdown in relationships, circumstances, debt, disaster it can be a whole lot of things that can cause it to feel like we're in a season of winter. soon as just this that sense of feeling that God, where are you? Where are you in this point in this situation in this moment in each winter. And its pain and its severity are are different. But they're all real. And are, in a way, a winter in our life. Sometimes it can just feel like that winter inside us where we just feel frozen. You know, sometimes when you meet somebody and you go, they're a bit cold towards me. That idea of kind of our hearts, again, in this picture, it's kind of circumstances, but you're also talking about ourselves, where we just feel cold. Well, you know, as soon as we say you go to a situation, you got a frosty reception. And so where where are we at? But we get this word: the winter is over. I um, I actually never read the books, <laughs> but I watched the films by C.S. Lewis, and uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and. Um, and you've got an image there and they're kind of the land, if you haven't read it, it's just these um, four children and the find and the, the world of Narnia and it's frozen at that point in time. It's kind of underneath the curse of a witch where it's always winter but never Christmas. So you don't even get the good things you might associate with winter. But then God begins to move. I love this phrase when you're watching the film, it has this saying, Aslan, which is a lion that represents Jesus is on the move and then you have this quote which i put put in your notes now they the children were steadily racing on again and soon edmund one of the boys noticed the snow which splashed against them as they rushed through it which was was much wetter than it been last night all around them though out of sight there were streams chattering bubbling splashing and even in the distance roaring and his heart gave a great lift Though he hardly knew why, when he realized the frost was nearly over. And so we get this image of the winter, but then suddenly the winter is past. The rains are over, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. How does the winter end? We're not told. It just says it ends. One day we'll be surprised by joy, Laughter comes in, it's the end of winter. It's a change of climate, a change of season. And again, that's a, a, a challenging thing to speak on. In some ways, it's a very encouraging word. It's very particularly encouraging when you've got the winter and you're stepping into a spring. But I know some of you here are in, in winter seasons, if you're honest, and you might say it yourself, and my prayer is for spring to come, that the winter would be over and again I put some verses there I wrote down on your notes what are some of the areas of your life relationships in your life that seem to be in winter and I wrote these I'm not doing a public response here but these are things that you can go away with and between you and God just to be really honest what are they some of them might feel like the beginning to go into winter And take some time to acknowledge these and give them over to God and pray for winter to be over. Yeah, God, come and do that. Come and do that, God. Let spring break forth, God. Well, rushing on. I said I was going to go through a lot. I don't even get to do the whole book. If you look back up to your notes, the bridegroom he responds, my dub's in the cleft on the rock. This is verse 14. If you're looking at your notes or you have go a Bible. In the hiding place on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards are in bloom. Again, I could write a whole talk on this. I didn't do any reflection here, but I just love that phrase. God Almighty is saying, let me hear your voice. Let me hear your voice. Whoever you are here, he wants to hear your voice. Because your voice matters. Your voice is important because you matter. He says your face is lovely because he wants to see it. He wants to engage with you. You know when you are engaged with somebody. You know, if you've ever been to these kind of communication classes, you know, they do this sometimes in teamwork. I've been on marriage courses uh, where they often do this as an exercise and you you sit down with somebody. And what are you what are you meant to do to show you that you're a good listener? Should I just... <laughs> This was the opportunity you had. <laughs> you're not getting another one. But, uh, you know, engage with them, look in their eyes, lean forward, show that you're interested. And, um, you know, then obviously you repeat back to them what you feel like they said, not just the words, but the emotions as well. But particularly a bit about just engaging with people. And this is what it's saying it's like, I want to see your face, I want to be fully engaged with you. And you know, I challenge myself is, am I fully engaged with God? See, I, I can quite easily come to something like here and I, and I can worship God and sing songs. You know, And again, I echo what Will said. Thank you so much, Karen, for coming and just leading us in a time of worship. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm engaged with God. Is it maybe just me? I can, I can quite easily sing words. I'd be thinking about how great it was uh, as a Liverpool fan, Liverpool won yesterday, or, you know, whatever. But I could get that in somewhere. But uh, but not be fully engaged with God. Look at him eye to eye, just beholding him. And him wanting to hear. He's like, and also the idea, sometimes we you feel like God is just again, this is to do the understanding of God. Sometimes we feel like he's too busy. And again, since we are affected by maybe the fatherhood figure, figures that we had in our life, he's too busy for us. And the father's just like, I want to just sit there. I want to look at you in the face. I'm waiting for you to speak to me. It's like you've got an audience with God. Wow. An audience with God Almighty. And I just look out briefly, you know, and you see all these trees and things like that. And you go, it's just magnificent what God's made. The creator of the whole universe, including you, is like saying, can we have a date? And just sit down at the table and it's just a kind of light candle there. I like candles. And uh, and he's just looking at you in the eyes. Like he's leaning over. He's fully engaged. He's not, It's like, forget about the menu. How much it's going to cost. He's just engaged with you, looking at you. And he wants to hear your voice and look at your face. Wow. I think if even we just got hold of that, if I got hold of that, more and more as I live my life, I'd be radically different. We would be radically different. What a
1: privilege.
0: But within that place, within that place of intimacy, and he's coming from a place of love, he says, catch for us, there's foxes. I was trying to find an image like with a verse and kind of a fox looking nasty, but they look quite cute. <laughs> but... Um, And in the Bible, foxes can mean anything that ruin our intimacy with God. It can be maybe the obvious things that we think of, things like certain sins that we just find that we seem to keep falling into. But it can be other things I've talked about last week, sense of poor self-esteem, low thoughts about ourselves. It doesn't matter what these foxes are. We need to catch them. We need to take hold of them. And again, I don't have time because it would look different for different one of us. But often, even as I'm speaking, probably certain things go for your head. We need to begin to catch them. So often our relationships are not ruined so much by the big things, but little things that like we sometimes as are insignificant. Choices and compromises they just get larger and larger. Just to give you an example, and to say that I'm not just, I had a lot of time yesterday, so I spent a few hours going through this myself. I don't just print these things off and just go, have fun. And so I was looking at the the ones particularly on that, and I was thinking about the little foxes in my life, like I said. Uh, And you know what some of my little foxes were? Uh, Facebook. Um, BBC News. These are just some of the little foxes in my life. You see, before I had my phone, if I had a spare moment, I went to go and pick up the kids from school and I arrived early, what would I do? Well, this might not be what you do, but I would have done, that would be my time just to engage with God, to have my little date with God, just to to look at him, to gaze on him, just to say a prayer. Well, what do I do generally now? Like, well, let's just... um, let's see if I've got like a a quick piece of work I can get sorted out. I've been sent an email, a quick reply, or I just check on Facebook what's happening, or um, I do like the news because I work so much with people overseas. And so I just like, I wonder what's happening. I wonder if anything's changed in the last hour. Uh, And I'm just being honest with you. These are just, so I'm trying to give you, there's a whole load of foxes. But these are just a couple of foxes I realise in my life. What's the foxes for you? that is ruining our relationship, that time of intimacy that we can have with God. And that's another jewel to go away and ponder. Finally, we get to chapter three. Now you know why I'm not gonna do the whole, <laughs> the whole book. And, um, and you get this here, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city, through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the cities. I said to him, Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who had conceived me. And so you see this again, this theme that, theme that keeps coming up again and again in the songs of songs where there's this love, there's this desire, there's this progression. She's becoming more and more eager for him. She's like, it's one thing to lie on the bed and kind of like, oh, I want him, I desire to be with him. But then she becomes they get this progression she kind of gets out of bed she goes out on the streets at night that would be quite an unusual thing for a woman to do in the Middle East just from my background in the Middle East there was a high level degree of of risk and vulnerability but she was like I am desperate for God I have tasted and seen how good God is and I want more how about for you how about for me My desire, I was going to look in and I was going to be throwing out lots of different things over these last couple of weeks. And I think I had two main aims. And one of my main aims for myself and for us is just to increase in us that pursuit of God. You see it so much in the Songs of Songs her eagerness, her hunger, making choices and decisions that back up because it's easy to say i'm hungry i want more of god i desire more of god but yeah, yeah one has to at some point begin to do something to work it. what's that going to look like for me maybe i got to leave facebook or maybe you know it, it can be little simple things it can be greater things but to get that desire in us and the great thing is is as we do this we will find him My God, in a greater level, wow, what a treasure, what an opportunity to go for it. How are we going to do that? As I was reflecting, there was a song, I don't know if we sing it in church, but I know it, by Misty Edwards. It's called My Soul Cries. And these are some of the words. As the deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you. As the body dies without water, my soul dies without you. Take me to the place where you satisfy. Take me to the river. I'll do anything, God. There is no price. Take me to the river. They may say, come on, get over it. Everything's okay. They may say, why the hunger? Why the thirsty? Why the mourning? But my soul cries. My soul cries. You know, as I hear that and I was gonna to reading, um, passages. I think, uh, I can't remember if I recommended in the reading, but things like Psalm 63 or Psalm t- and 27 says, you know, one thing I ask, one thing I desire is to know you. And I was like, God, let that be. And for some of you, you're there. For some of you, you feel like, I, I don't know where to start. Well, if, I often say, if you don't know where to start, you don't know how to pray, or you don't want to cry out to God, just borrow. So take that song, Misty Edwards, My Soul Cries. You'll find it online. Take Psalm 63, take Psalm 27 and begin to talk it, begin to pray, begin to declare it until it becomes the heartbeat of who you are. Till it becomes the heartbeat of this church. May we be known. we're representing Jesus. May we be known as a church that's passionate in love of Jesus. May I be knowing about that? Am I crazily in love? In Jesus, really? Is that reflected in what I say, what I talk about? Let that become. Let our souls cry. And so I love it where, um, I think I've got it on your notes, where the soul cries and it pursues it. And then he responds. You're on your in chapter four now. And he goes, how beautiful you are. If you can't find it, I'll just read it. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Wow, again, that's like a, a, a massive jewel. We could start there. But it's like, those who were here last week, and I was sharing from the last week in the Songs of song, Songs, song, right in chapter one, the bride is just kind of putting herself down. She's saying, I'm not good. I'm not worthy. I got all these things that are wrong with me. And he says, you're beautiful. Uh, here he kind of takes it to another level. He has this phrase, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. There is no flaw in you. Wow. Do we really believe that? If you follow Jesus, we're told in scripture that we have Christ in us. There's any fault in Christ. And when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. We're very good at pointing out other people's flaws and our own flaws. And there are aspects, we talked about little foxes, every bit of scripture has got to be in balance. But again, just hear that voice speaking over you. You're beautiful. And there is no flaw in you. And he talks about being captivated by our eyes again the idea of just gazing on each other so how are we gonna respond i'm gonna jump a bit you got some notes about blowing the wind blowing and letting the spirit move we haven't got time to do that i'm gonna jump to my My last place, because I think that's a good place to end. Like I said, if I had two aims, one of them was that we would begin just to pursue God to a greater level, whatever that means. The second bit would be that we would hear God's voice more clearly speaking over us, our worth and our value. Because that's where we get our rest. That's where we get our peace. That's when we really know who we are. So as we were said right at the beginning, He's knocking. And this verse, I said last week, because I often have to remind people, this was written for people who follow Jesus. This was to the letter, you know, letter to the churches. And he's saying, will you let me in? I want to get closer to you. I want to get more intimate with you. So we do have a minute. I'm going to pause and then we're going to have I'm just going to have a, just a minute, just pause. And just to respond. We're going to have a time of worship, a song in a minute. And we're going to have time when you can come to the front and get prayer. But scripture is always there to be engaged with. Where is he knocking? For some of you, you never opened your door or to Jesus. This is a great opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. For some of you, yeah, you go, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. But like I said last week, we have a way of shutting our doors or certain areas of our life or certain relationships. Where do you need that fresh new life? That's where that can awaken the wind. Where do we need the spirit to move again? So, I'm just going to pause. In a minute, I'm going to pray and I'm going to hand over to Will. And then, if carrying the rest of the worship band are also ready. I'm going to pray partly for myself, but if it's what I pray, it kind of echoes with your heart. Feel free to kind of repeat in your mind or underneath your breath or say, I meant to at the end. God, I just say yes. And I say, I want more of you. I hear your knock. And I pray, God, I want I just want more of you in my life. I want more of you in my work. I want you more of you in my marriage. I want more of you in trying to be a dad. I want more of you in trying to be a better pastor to this church. I want more of you in every aspect and sphere of my life. In every one of my relationships, be it a long-standing relationship, be it just an interaction to have somebody in the shop, God. Just come, God. My soul does cry, God. And God, I never want to get over that. I want to have that sense of always hungering after you and finding my satisfaction in you and yet always hungering at the same time. Lord, I pray you breathe life into my heart, Lord. You breathe life into the heart of this church, Lord. That we would be a church that is so passionately in love with you. Let us have nothing else that takes our attention, that takes our affection, God. Give us single hearts, God. Take away our hearts of stone, Lord, and give us hearts of flesh that just pound and pursue you, God, for the rest of our lives. Amen. I'm
2: hand over to Will. Yeah, worship team come up. <laughs> Um, so as Paul was sharing, I can imagine some of us in this room, some of us are totally connected to, I want more of God. Yes, <laughs> sign me up. I want that. Uh, however, I imagine there's, there's people in this room also that they're hearing, I want more of God, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm not really sure I want what I want. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know if I, I feel kind of that's something I'm kind of really fired up for to go after. There's a, there's a passage Paul mentioned in Hebrews 4. And it says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. This kind of almost contradiction of uh, make a bunch of effort to, to enter his rest. It's a very strange thing, but it, it takes intentionality to, to get rid of the distractions, to get rid of the, the nagging things that are, that are pulling on our attention and pulling on our, our, you know, kind of the routines and the habits of life and the, the people in it to actually make an effort and enter his rest. And so, hey, if you feel that's for you, it also says in Hebrews 4, just a few verses earlier today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts because that's always been the test it's always been the test if his voice comes to you don't harden your hearts so if that's striking something with you whether you want more and you're ready for more and you're saying sign me up or you're realizing something in me is resisting I feel a pull and I just want to kind of go yeah no thanks even if you wouldn't put it like that Uh, we're going to have a time of worship there's going to be space available for you to to bring yourself to bring that before the lord to stand in worship to let him minister to you there's going to be people available at the front to pray for you and that takes a step of courage to come forward and actually ask but it's amazing what happens when you open yourself up you take that risky step forwards and people come and meet you and god meets you there Um, god is god is very moved by the faith that it takes to step forward. So, we're gonna do a bit of worship, and then afterwards, we're gonna make space for, for prayer. And, ah, uh, yes, of course.
1: So that's a brilliant word, Paul. I'm, I'm so sorry, I wouldn't normally do this, but I felt, I really felt Holy Spirit saying, come and share um, some of my own personal testimony, because I really think it will speak to you. And um, over 20 years ago, um, when I first became a Christian, Um, I really felt like God, you know, I went to something called Soul Survivor, I think a lot of us have been to it when we were a lot younger, I'm quite old now, and um, I remember like thinking, God, you can't love me for all the things I've done, and you can love me this close and this much, but you can't get that close to me, but actually I had this, I was worshipping, and like Will says, there's a difference between human striving and striving to lay hold of God. That's actually in Isaiah where it says, you know, um, people do strive to lay hold of me. Lay hold, lay hold means actually just to enter into his presence and love on him. Um, but in this vision I had, I was on my knees, I was surrendered, and then I was on my back. It's like I was paralyzed, but I wasn't. And Jesus actually kissed me on the lips. And everyone's personal experience is different. But that was so powerful scripture one opens up with let him kiss me so it's about letting him come that close to you because there is nothing more amazing than being wooed by the love of God Um, and then a few years later um, so profoundly as well from the book of song of songs I remember I was really striving in a human way I was involved with several ministries I was working full-time as a midwife and um, God said to me he said you don't know me and I said, "What do you mean I don't know you? I do this for you, I do that for you. I try and hold it together." And he said, "No, you you don't you don't know me. You don't know my love. You don't know my love. There's a difference between knowing and really knowing and feeling." And um, he took me, he took me out of all the ministries at the time, and he took me to the Song of Songs, scripture for scripture through the whole book. And I just want to encourage you, there is nothing more amazing than letting yourself be loved by that powerful love of God. It's like intimacy is, come into me and you'll see. Come into me and you'll see. Okay, that's what intimacy means. And I just, I just want to encourage everyone here just, um, you know, no matter how uncomfortable you feel with the song of songs, just to let, let use that book to allow it to speak about God's amazing love for you, and it's about that beautiful intimacy with Jesus. Let him kiss you. It doesn't matter. He knows anyway all about your life. He just wants you to see him face to face. He loves you so much.
2: Thank you, Sharon. What is not stand?